Hello everyone, this is Emotions Avenue. I'm Stefan. And I'm Amara. And you're welcome to a brand new episode. So we started preparing for this episode a couple of weeks ago. And as we were researching, my co-host asked me in his usual annoying voice. And he was like, are you going to share your story? And I said, which story? And he looked at me with that face of, don't be stupid, you know what I'm talking about. And he, he was like, your story. And I'm like, no, 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 please, 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 I can't do that, oh, please, please. And he asked why. And I can't remember what I said, but I was just giving a whole lot of reasons. I was just talking sporadically. I was all over the place. But I think I can remember saying stuff like, oh, I don't want pity. A lot of people don't know. Just like three people know. And if I had my way, so out of those people would not know and all of that. But with time i think as we did the interviews we talked to a whole lot of people it made me realize that there was nothing too peculiar about my case i wasn't the first and i'm not going to be the last death is a constant that nobody has control over it happens to anybody and at any time so the stigma attached to it is like giving it a whole lot of power and I just realized that bottling it up never does any good. Talking to people, especially people that have been through the same thing that you have been through, always helps. So here goes. I'm Amara and I lost my baby brother two years ago. I cannot remember the exact dates because avoidance was my major coping mechanism. So I blocked out everything that happened and i cannot remember exactly what happened my name is chini Dun and i'm 23 years old um i lost my sister on the 19th of july 2014 to cancer that was a very dark moment in my life and in the life of my family uh, hi my name is Kenechuku and um I lost a very close friend. I I it was it was quite difficult for me to cope with it because I this friend in question just visited my house the day before he died. So he was in my house until the evening and then the next day by evening I heard he was dead. And also the nature by which he died uh, was also a painful one. He drowned and my name is Cassandra and I lost my mom when I was very, very tender. My dad said that it was complications at birth. During labor, they had to choose between my mom and my brother. They chose my mom, but she started to really, really bleed. And they couldn't stop the bleeding. Hi, um... Alexander, I lost my younger brother between in 2007. The, it was a bad bit from 2006 that finally ended in 2007. Uh, I've grown a lot since that time. I've had torrid years. I've had bad years. But that period between 2006 and 2007, 
I still classify it as my worst years, my worst period in my life ever. My name is Ijoma. Uh, I want to use this opportunity to thank you, the organizers of this platform, for this opportunity and of giving uh, opportunity of giving me to share my story. I'm really grateful. Thank you. I lost um, my brother sometime last year in August um, 20th to an ailment. He was a sickle cell patient and um, he was very ill at the time before he passed on. He was 17 or 18. Like I said, I can't really remember, but he was two years my junior. At that time, I was writing my second professional exams. And the morning before one of my papers, my mom called me and she said, Oh, I have something to tell you, but I'm not going to tell you now. After your paper, when you come back, you call me. Immediately after my papers, I rushed back to my hostel and I up my mom and I called her because I was expecting some sort of good news and she picked up the phone and she paused and she said Tobichi is dead those three words still haunt me today I was so confused I couldn't understand what was happening I was in a maze trying to figure out my way but everything was just so blank and I couldn't make sense. I wore my clothes and I rushed out and I went to the park immediately and I started going straight home. Because I was still waiting for someone to tell me that. It was a prank. But why 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 would someone use that sort of thing to joke? But still <laughs> still. Anyways, I rushed home and I opened the parlor only for me to see a whole lot of people there. And I see a whole lot of familiar faces in my parlor. And my eldest brother comes out. And I think that's when it dawned on me. This this is real. This is happening. He passed away a few days ago. And they did not want to tell me because I was writing exams. And apparently on the night while he was battling for his life in the hospital. I was being robbed that very moment. Because I remember just after I was robbed, I called my mom. And, I, and now I remember how shaky her voice was. I've always believed my brother and I were connected on a very deep level. So I believed it was the universe's way of telling me that something wrong was happening. I didn't ask what happened because I honestly did not want to know. And she got sick the previous year. That's 2013. And um, went through seven major surgeries which was draining the life out of her even when she was alive and and at some point she had to take chemotherapy and at that point she when she started the treatment she began to lose her hair she she began to be depressed frustrated it was not easy for anyone at home who would always come to see her, I mean, me and my brothers. At some point, we could feel that she knows she's going to, you know, pass away.
because of how widespread the cancer is in her body. The sickness never broke her. She was a very strong girl, even at age 11. At some point, she was even the one encouraging us to stay strong, that she's going to be okay. You know, that kind of thing now. <laughs> I we, we held a memorial for him um, and um, I had to read the eulogy. And that was one of the most difficult things I've had to do in my life. Most of us, his friends couldn't go for the um, funeral uh, at at um, in Benue State. We couldn't go for the funeral day in Benue State. So we held a memorial here in Abuja and I read the eulogy. It was difficult. All I remember that was for a very long while, I stopped seeing my brother in the house. This was my last born, it was my younger one. We were like, it was just after me, we were five and six. But even with my elder brother, we are. We are four, five, and six, uh, peeping on discussions, and then that's when I found out that he had cancer and was undergoing chemotherapy, I think radiation therapy also. That's at Lutz, Middle State University Hospital. So, for about four months, I, I didn't see my brother was hospitalized. I always felt this helplessness, like I should be able to help. I just wanted to see him. I just wanted him to be better. And then one day we got the chance to see him. <sighs> it was okay. It was, um, after a while he came back home, I'm like, okay, we'll just be bringing him to the hospital for, for the radiotherapy. <sighs> And then while he was at home one day, he was so happy to see me. He didn't even spend a day at home. Honestly, he didn't even spend two days at home. And then, you know, as kids, we were all close. And we were so happy to see him. And we were just jumping around and playing in the house the next day. Mom was there. That was a Sunday. She had gone to classes that had gone to meeting or something. And then we were just playing. And the next thing, bam, it was an accident. And I think that I and my elder brother hit him. And then, remember his cry very vividly and it was piercing it still pierces me it was the pains I remember how my brother had to carry him just running around because we didn't know where anybody was we were just shouting mommy mommy we rushed him to the hospital for a long time again i didn't see him until he came back and then he was worse than before he was my brother was skeleton what my brother went through i i can't wish it on anyone and between me and my elder brother we felt this guilt like that's second time around like this boy could have been fine he came home he was better he was healthy now but we caused it i mean he fucking had cancer so june 22nd 2007 i never forget the date i mean his birthday was a month away because he was born in july that was a saturday midday 12, 12.55 like that. My brother gave up the ghost. He was supposed to grow old together and then here he was, nearly 10, gone, just like that. And no, I was, I was devastated, honestly. Because he was my best friend. He was my gossip mate. 
he was so particular about himself he would always spend hours in my room looking at himself in the mirror we made a lot of videos together took a whole lot of snapchat pictures together and sometimes when i'm passing by stores and i see a nice shirt and i'm like oh let me get this for my brother and i would never get to meet his girlfriend i always wanted that i always fantasized about making her life miserable <laughs> then i still miss her every day because we used to be best buddies we were like the cat and dog of our family i'm always looking for her trouble she was the most intelligent in the house like she was my dad's pride so my dad used to like use her to talk to us like see how well your sister is doing in school <laughs> that kind of stuff she was very bright she had a lot of plans for her future even at her young age she used to want to become a doctor i think a doctor she was so fearless there was this point the teacher failed her in school something she got right she didn't take it lightly with the teacher the next day when she went to school she was so full of life she loved to play i loved her so much and i still miss her till today sometimes you tend to forget because a lot of time has passed but at at one point you get flashes of memories you, you get me i found it difficult to believe that he was gone and i wouldn't see him and this this was a very selfless person like always giving up himself like in any way he could help people around him he was that kind of person that once he comes into your life you you you, you would always feel the positive impact he has in your life and um I, I found myself um, crying alone in my house. Uh, I go to work. The thought just doesn't leave my head. I'm at work, working. The next thing, you know, I, I just see myself breaking down. Of course, I tried as much as possible to control it in the office, go to the restroom, stay there, lock myself up, cry for a while, clean my eyes, wash my face, come out, continue my work. I look at old pictures of my mom and I see a woman that I never new and it makes me so upset and angry because i look at my friends i've always looked at my friends and i see the stuff they get from their own mom i mean other other people have moms why why did mine have to leave did i do something wrong i got my first period and she was not there never got me any cute clothes never taught me how to cook i just I'm sorry and I've never really talked about this it happened a long time ago and I've always suppressed this emotion so I guess I didn't realize it's going to be this difficult to talk about it again after so many years the fact that I I didn't know her and I cannot remember what she looked like or I just I just think it's unfair. I just I just think it's completely unfair. 
it's just me and my dad because he never remarried my baby brother didn't make it too really admired my brother in so many ways he was one uh, with high intellect and he 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 had this passion for knowing things and wanting to know more really made me admire him he is the first son and the second child in a family of four children yeah we've practically lived together all our lives except when i was in school and we grew up together did things together he was i i respected his personality i usually tell him to be different from the others because he's he didn't really have this youthful um exuberant kind of flair and he was just very reserved and very um losing a loved one is one of the most traumatic things one could ever experience because it's like a part of you dies you don't even know how to react most times because you're overwhelmed with this sadness this feeling of emptiness you don't even know the right things to do you don't even know whether you're reacting in the right way like you're just you're just clouded with this entire sadness it's like a series of emotions that hits you all at once disbelief sometimes sadness on not understanding what is going on yeah you even see yourself experiencing some physical difficulties you see yourself having this intense dizziness your your you have this loss of appetite it's as if your entire body system changes when these things happen most times it transcends to some sort of mental difficulties depression ptsd post-traumatic stress disorder anxiety it happens you could just be on your own one time and you're, you can't breathe you start sweating you start shaking constantly thinking yeah speaking of ptsd um, i read a story about a woman that lost her child during sleep like this sudden unexplained child death s i think it's s-u-c-d something like that then she gave birth to a new child so whenever the child is sleeping she has this trigger that whether is this child dead since the other child died while sleeping these are the terrors and the realities of ptsd i know africans as a whole we don't really wait mental health and then when you talk of ptsd especially people that are not in the medical field they're like what is that but you see these emotions you experience when you've gone through a major loss like vivid flashbacks nightmares pain and you just get these dreams bad dreams of the things you lost and it continues to interfere with your everyday life just like the woman that lost her child while the child was sleeping so anytime she sees any sleeping child she has this trigger like it's always very very difficult for you to move on when you've experienced things like this and when these triggers come you start to panic because when these triggers come you're easily reminded of your trauma and then you start to panic and you start to hyperventilate it's difficult to breathe it's difficult to think properly you lost a loved one so say see an illness 
So the other one was sick. Just like Ijoma that lost, that lost her brother to sickle cell. Some things like this, it's losing a loved one to an illness is usually different from when you lose a loved one unexpectedly. Because sometimes you know that there will come a time, you're aware of the fact that there will come a time when this person would be no more. But still you hold on to that little or wide flames of hope. And sometimes that can be even more difficult. So we invited a medical practitioner, Dr. Dan, to throw more light on the psychological effects living with a lifelong illness such as sickle cell could have on the patients and on their loved ones. The symptoms of the disease occur due to the abnormal shape and character of the red blood cells. Normally, our red blood cells are round and they are flexible, so they can easily maneuver their way through small vessels, small organs, big vessels, and just come out as if nothing happened. But for those with sickle cell, the red blood cells are abnormally shaped. They take the shape of a sickle or a banana shape and they are sticking. So they tend to clump together. And this results in one, they have a shortened lifespan, so they die faster. And it also means that sometimes there's blockage, obstruction of smaller vessels. And this will affect the quantity of blood or the volume of blood that can get to certain organs or certain structures in the body and can result in death of those structures if the vessel is completely blocked. So some of the symptoms that a sickle cell patient would have is what we call the vaso-occlusive crisis, which you usually hear as crisis. Crisis, I had a crisis, he had a crisis. And this crisis is because of that clumping capacity of the abnormal red blood cells. So once they stick together like that and clump and then they block small vessels and they affect the amount of blood can get to certain organs we see severe pain in certain places it usually affects the joints of the hands the legs can affect the sternum patients describe the pain as if they are being constantly stabbed like knife is going in and out in and out in and out and so the pain is usually very very severe and in sickle cell patients that get pregnant there's always the risk of um, complications during the pregnancy. There might be what we call spontaneous abortions where the fetus doesn't survive and this is because the child is not getting enough blood. And there are certain things that can bring about a crisis. Or well, the most common ones are an infection, then there is dehydration, there is cold, and even stress. So all these can cause a flare-up of symptoms. And there are things that can be done to reduce the frequency of these crises. So one is that you have to avoid what will precipitate a crisis. So most individuals know what will cause a crisis for them. Having a good diet, it helps in multiple ways. One of them is that it boosts the immune system. So fewer infections, fewer crises and it's important to stay hydrated for some other patients you might be prescribed some routine medications that you take regularly that reduce the flare-up so staying true to these medications will reduce the frequency of crisis now 
apart from the physical symptoms that comes with this condition there is also the mental baggage or the psychological strain that comes with it too because the thing is some patients get their first symptom from their very first year of life and they have to live with it throughout their lives it affects most of the decisions they make so many patients have learned to come to accept the condition as part of them but yet they try to ensure that it doesn't define them they still try to ensure that they develop their personalities and actively get involved in things that they like have friends but many times can be difficult because there is the constant fatigue and pain that comes to the condition and the thing is pain is very is, is pain is a horrible thing and many patients have said that once they have busier crisis that it leaves them feeling discouraged and sometimes even miserable unfortunately it isn't uncommon to find patients that are dealing with depression and this depression is not just due to the pain sometimes it can be due to difficulty in developing relationship supporting relationship whether platonic or romantic relationships with people around them and the reasons why sometimes it's difficult to develop relationships is not just due to their physical limitations being unable to maybe get involved in certain sports or go out when it's cold they can't do those things so it can affect relationships sometimes but there is also the thing about feeling as though people around them can't understand their condition or can't understand the pain that they have to go through so many a times it's always important to help sickle cell patients develop communities these communities whether it's people that help help them to deal with the condition or people that already have the condition or understand the condition too fortunately advancement in medicine has made it possible for us to manage sickle cell disease even to the point where an individual will not have symptoms for a very long time they'll stay crisis free but it's always very very important to keep in mind hydration and diets they are very key and even when it comes to developing friendships and even relationships you can even have romantic relationships because a sickle cell patient can get married to an individual that is aa and they don't have to be afraid for their children their kids will not have the disease however they will be carriers because they will have the as genotype and they being as will mean that they have to be careful with their own future partners they can't get married to an as because then they could have a sickle cell patient but all you know it is very very important for everybody to know your genotype and the genotype of your potential partner because trust me you don't you don't want to experience the helplessness that comes with seeing your child experience a crisis a sickle cell crisis especially when it's a severe one and the crisis is not the only thing that can occur there are even more severe conditions severe situations that can show up there are some sickle cell patients that needs to get replaced hip replacement surgeries and a lot of other things and for every everybody that's every sickle cell warrior out there it's very very important that you stay encouraged because yes dealing with such a condition can be very very hard the physical and emotional strain i mean being being a human being and living life can be hard enough being a teenager trying to balance work or school family friendships all the responsibilities and then having to do with a lifelong sometimes debilitating condition can make it all the more harder but you can still live a full life and i've met i've met patients that 
are very very encouraging very lively very interactive they still live their life to the fullest and just keep track of your health many individuals can feel the crisis coming on and then they immediately stop it once they start feeling a dull pain here they immediately start chugging the water and whatnot so know your body know your limitations and do the best with what you have and you still live your life to the fullest and to the happiest we are not given any emotional handbook that teaches us how to grieve. There is no right or wrong way to grieve a loss. Most times, the way we react to a loss depends on how close the, uh, the person was to us. Because you, you wouldn't expect to react, let's say you lost your grandfather that you don't know so well. You don't expect to feel very, very, very bad compared to when you lose your sibling. That you sleep with and you all live together in the same house like every single day some people go through some stages whether consciously or unconsciously at the onset of a loss and some of these stages do not happen to everybody or some people do not really realize that they are going through it and the fact that you lost someone doesn't mean you have to go through the entire stages of grief but at first you see yourself having this denial like this person cannot be dead. My brother cannot be dead. That one, this I think everybody who has experienced a loss experiences that at first. That is always the first go-to reaction. This isn't happening. This is a bad dream. I'm about to wake up. Then after that, you see yourself experiencing this sudden anger. Like there's this outrage. You become King Kong overnight. Like you're... There's so, like there's so much energy. You're so angry. And this anger is usually directed to sometimes God, sometimes the lost person. Why? Yeah, you see yourself asking, asking God, why is this thing happening? Don't I, am I not serving you enough? I pay my tithes, I do my church duties, I like, I do every single thing that I'm meant, I'm meant to do. Or for some people that are not religious, they're like, is this some sort of punishment for me? For all the, is this... All the things, all the atrocities that have been committed. Yes, like, why? You see yourself questioning God out of this anger. Even if it's punishment, why should you punish me in this way? In this I way, mean, there yeah. are other ways. You're just frustrated. You're just frustrated. You see yourself saying all sorts of things that you're not supposed to say. Then after that, you see yourself falling into depression. Like you're just sad. You're just dejected. Just like if you if you have seen John Wick, after John Wick's um, wife died in in the in the first part of the movie um, mr wick was very very sad and depressed then if, if, we, if we watch if we watch the movie pretty well we'll see how he reacted after his dog died this is also going to show us that different people will react different you so saw he went he was on a rampage like started killing off everybody like he killed every single person that was involved in killing his dog like everybody in the death of his dog everybody I mean, this, this and that thing with how we direct our emotions, the emotions we feel, that's another important thing because most times the emotions we feel are usually very, very strong. And so how we redirect it, sometimes they matter. And I think part of this depression is when you start to realize that, oh, this thing is actually happening. This thing actually happened. And then it throws you into a very deep, dark hole of unhappiness, sadness of it's like finally assuming defeat and realizing that oh i'm never going to wake up for this from this room this is my reality how do i move forward how do i get better how do i overcome this constant feeling of sadness so once you're there 
you know that you are at this you are almost sort of like i think you are at the threshold yeah the threshold of either recovering or falling deeper into, into depression because there are some cases where we have complicated complicated grief yes this is the point where we we'll advise um, see a, a, a patient practitioner. to see a medical practitioner now how do you know that you're experiencing complicated grief because some people might not actually know these are times when you have severe difficulties performing your everyday activities or you're constantly feeling guilty and blaming yourself you're drawing from people you don't want to partake in any activity at all all you want to do is just stay in your house and wallow in your sadness like that is all you want to do then you see yourself wishing that you've you died like you don't you just have suicidal thoughts you're numb you're dissociated from your environment so it's in this this when you see yourself experiencing these things i think it's i would always advise you talk to you talk to a medical practitioner when you feel like as if nothing is worth it nobody is worth it anymore yeah and again there's this stereotype with going to a psychiatric hospital people feel that having working having worked in a psychiatric hospital for a year people have this um people that come to psychiatrists are very very sick people and they are mad people yeah. and I think we, sh- we should stop saying it that way because I've seen people that are sad and depressed come to the hospital to get meds and they get better yeah so there are should... medications you take for uh, severe anxiety of course there are medications for all these things so I think we should o- always advise people and not stereotype them or laugh at yes. them when we see them carrying carrying drugs meant for people having mental challenges they think it's for Ob- it's Obodoibo people that take that's people it, are white people, people that take medication for mental health illnesses yeah. but that's not true growing up with grief it's just very sad because I, i've seen situations where the wife would lose the husband then you see all these church people they are all coming for condolence and give talks and help the per- help the woman get back to being a functional member of the society but you see them ignoring the children like i now wonder how how do they want how do they expect these children to grieve how do you expect them to deal with this loss when you don't talk to them about it i just feel the way Africans, the way we shy away from attending to our children and the younger ones when we lose people is something we have to reconsider. Because you see you see people over time, like when they when they are all grown, you see them having this identity crisis because you know many people believe that children they are too young to deal with grief. They are too young to cope with that emotion. But they don't know that when these emotions are left unchecked, as these children grow up... Yeah, that's even when the more, they have more problems. Because when these emotions are not checked, they continue to pile. And it gets to a point where you start to create another personality that helps you to cope with these problems. And sometimes it's difficult to truly identify who you really are. And then you have adults that question themselves at every turn. Who am I? The funny thing about identity is that it usually exists in the background, like the soundtrack to a movie. We do not usually have conscious awareness of it until something 
drastic happens or something drastic changes yeah you see yourself creating this third person as if you're creating an avatar that you want people to believe that you are when you're not that person and we've noticed that over time when you're all growing that this loss that you didn't you didn't grieve pretty well when you were small tends to like haunt you back you see yourself falling into depression unnecessarily like you just stay then you remember oh this thing happened in the past and you're all sad and you're constantly questioning yourself have they found peace because you didn't really have time to actually grieve for these people when you were small because no one paid attention, attention to you. you usually happens when you have to go through the things you're going through on your own so you devise these mechanisms to go through it my boyfriend was is and has always been my support without his presence in my life fam i doubt i'd be here my two older brothers too mm, and it's unfortunate i had to go through the the whole pain alone because because everybody grieved alone in my house like my dad and mom grieved together but they probably thought i was too young you know to comprehend what was happening so but on the contrary i wasn't because at 14 i know i lost someone now so it hurt me so much but they probably thought uh he's just a kid he'll probably get over it he probably doesn't even know what is going on whenever whenever i hear one of our favorite songs is this song she used to like but i i never liked the song to be honest so whenever it comes on i remember her i think time helps to heal but even when years have passed you remember at least once in a while like i don't really cry anymore but when you remember it you feel sad you get and that was my only sister so i tend to remember it every once in a while sometimes i think about how big she would have been by now you know thoughts like that can can make you feel bad make you want to cry again but sometimes you just have to control yourself you get me so one of the things that has helped me to cope I, I, I eventually had to accept the fact to me that one he was he was gone and I convinced myself with the fact that I know he's in a better place. I also told myself, see, um I know that this person, this friend, would want me to live a good life because I, I beat myself up a lot over it. Like I kept on thinking what could I have done to ensure that he didn't that that this didn't play out the way he played out. I felt I could have done something to dissuade him from going um, where he went to and drowned. I felt I could have done more. Like I, I, I blamed myself for a lot of things because I was with him just before the day happened. But I, I convinced myself with the fact that I know he's in a better place and he would want me to move on with my life. There are days I still, I still think about this friend and um, the thought of it still brings tears to my eyes at such dreams, at such prospects as such visions 
that that just fizzled away and he was a very young guy below 25 years of age and talk with talk with family people that make me happy we discuss we laugh uh, i i get to be less moody and um i get to live i i get to hang out with a couple of people that i just try as much as possible to be happy not to remain in the darkness that i was in for for like about two weeks i try as much as possible and then honor the thoughts of him each time i remember him thank you i don't know how do you expect me to cope with that how 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 am i expected to handle that not having a mother sort of put me in a position to enter a whole lot of terrible relationships because my dad and i are not that close and my teenage years were rough very very rough i did a whole lot of things i experimented i'm still in my teenage years so. but I, I i did a whole lot of things that now i completely regret thanks to my brother i think he gave me the scope, the first scope with which I used in dealing with grief right now. He pulled me to one side. He was pained. Obviously, I was pained too. And I was crying and he was crying. He wiped his eyes. He told me, look, let's take a walk. Let's, let's go. Okay, I had like 20 nights. I said, do you want biscuits? Oh, I cannot even eat. My brother is just like, let's just go. And then we just took a walk on the streets. You know, he just wiped my eyes, held me close. was like, look, don't act like anything happened. Just walk. Let's walk it out. I went to a malam shop, bought me biscuit, gave me, you know, I don't even know how, I was trying to act like nothing happened. I just ate, but like, biscuits really said like sorrow in my mouth. That's, I was now calm. We never really talked about it. I can, since 2007 when my brother died, this is 14 years now. I can tell you that we've not as a family sat down for once to talk about his death. I, uh, when you bring it up with my mom, she dismisses it as much as possible. I think that's her own way of dealing with it. Dad never mentions it. Just once in a while, he mentions it, and it's more of, whenever he mentions it, it's from a place of anger. I think that has two ways we dealt with it. You know, just never talking about it, never just thinking about it. But I don't know for others, I was struggling myself, even in not talking about it, because for years upon years after the whole thing, I would have dreams, bad dreams. Dreams when my brother was there and he would leave again and it would be painful all over again. Imagine you've lost him in real life. Now you're having a dream. You found him in the dream and you're happy. You say, oh, my brother is back. And then it's not like he necessarily dies in the dream. More like he leaves. Sometimes he doesn't leave. But the, me having to wake up from the dream just feels like I'm losing him all over again. And that was... What I used to encourage myself most times is just when I think back the memories we had, the things we did together. Uh, we, I think one major thing that actually drew us closer was our love for sports. We would really always talk about sports, argue about sports. It was a thing for us. And like I said, I've mostly clinged to the better part of our memories. And it's been helpful. And most times I always try to exhaust myself like my emotions if i feel the need to cry or if i feel the need to think i just let it all out there are different coping mechanisms that we can employ in dealing with grief and this could be either positive or negative but the bottom line is 
creating a link between the positive and the negative coping mechanism yes there is a link i know people people might not really know which one is the negative and the positive because all people know is oh this is how i deal with what i'm going through this is how i go through my own stuff that's basically what people know because grief is like a roller coaster where you have the highs and the lows there are some days you'll be very happy and there are some days you wouldn't be very happy but understanding understanding that at the end of the day i'm coming back to this so while we are choosing the different ways in which we feel will be comfortable for us to grieve it's also best to create a balance between the both of them yeah most of the negative coping mechanisms we have like avoidance there isn't about avoiding your problems like you just avoid it you just as if you're running around running around the bush it, running it can around be the good bush. it can be good it can be good and it can be bad it's usually advice that you face your grief head on and you deal with it yeah that's what positive coping mechanisms talk about but dealing with your grief it's exhausting and it's very difficult and it involves a whole lot of difficult emotions that you have to deal with but we have bills to pay we have school to do we have other problems and sometimes avoidance helps you to function but this thing about when you avoid your grief so much that you drift into depression because this thing you're 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 on this constant race then when the thing now hits you this thing, when you allow things accumulate for a very long period of time it, it becomes very difficult for you to and deal it's too complicated yeah to so that's why I, I always advise you just take things little by little stage by stage or at least you're dealing with it small small than running away from it entirely i think the key word is balance so much of everything is actually not good because i think in my own case i totally started to forget that it happened at all and sometimes it makes it difficult for you to remember your loved one which is not very wonderful it's important to remember them it's important to keep them there their presence is always going to be very instrumental in your life and again there's this thing about finding happiness in the in in the things they did it will help it helps you he talks about her not when she was not in her best state but when she was smiling how proud of her their father was which is very it's actually very important when we see our lost loved ones and again i know most people when things happen you you move to alcohol you start doing drugs and things what's not about doing drugs you get addicted it's very easy to get addicted. Or broke, it's not become another problem if yes it's like creating an exactly you create another problem when the other one you has have not been sorted solved. out is still waiting for you so it might give you temporary relief but then see that's why i'm against most of the negative ways of coping because if you start doing drugs now you know they hard for you to get addicted I want to get addicted to this particular meds now. It's not be another big problem for you to now get off the meds. Even when you get off, you have withdrawal syndrome. You go take a long time. No. So you see now, instead of us trying to, you are trying to feel better by taking, say, um, morphine or anything to help numb your pain. Now we're entering into another problem. What in, in situations when you overdose and die? If you're a religious person, if you can find comfort in your faith, if going to church would make you feel better, I think you should do that. Go to church, speak to your chief, speak to your God, or whichever whichever thing you believe in, if that would make you feel better. Also join support groups. 
people that will help you and yeah, just talk to people it's not just talk to people about how you feel i'm not saying yeah you should every time be painting your story telling everybody your story about how you lost your brother how you lost your mom how you lost your dad but just once in a while tell them because if you keep if you feel a certain way and you don't let it out the thing stays with you so even if you want to scream like you want to shout just do it so far you're relieving all the anger and you're relieving all the pressure you're feeling now if you're not the type that likes to talk to people there are also a whole lot of ways you can channel your emotions there are a whole lot of things that you can do you can keep a journal but speaking to people i think it can be very therapeutic there should always there can always be that one person that you know you can meet or it could even be a total stranger that you just talk to and the person listens but the point is it's always very important to detoxify once in a while to let out all those negative emotions then also try and eat very well because i know most most this thing comes with a loss of appetite you see yourself being fatigued and all so always try and eat very well get fruits make sure your immune system is boosted then exercise too like it helps you makes makes your mind healthy you can and start small you can start small when you start on your grieving process you can reach out to people that are also going through the same thing you're going through if it's difficult for you to talk to random people because you feel like they might not understand you can also oscillate between dealing with your loss and avoiding it because it's actually healthy it's actually healthy to sometimes just do something else and something fun and we shouldn't forget the importance of speaking to a therapist a professional when it becomes very very difficult for you to move on yes when you see that these normal steps you're taking are not helping you at all you can always talk to a professional you can talk to you can visit mental health awareness ng and they would recommend someone that you can talk to now for those people that have that know people that have experienced a loss there are some things you can say there are some things you can do and there are some things you definitely should not say and or do. even if you don't have anything to say and you don't just be there for them just just listen, be, just listen. You could, you just listen you don't say things like i know how you feel you don't know how they feel you because you're not in their shoes you you don't know how they feel you cannot possibly know how they feel or be strong i remember back then they used to tell me oh be strong for your mommy be strong for your daddy but fam what or, about me or, or you or you tell them not to cry like you have to be brave for the family if crying will make you feel better let the emotions out allow yourself to weep maybe depending on the circumstances which the person was lost maybe the person was a robber or something like that something like he brought this on himself or she brought this on herself we have to know that nobody chooses a particular path by himself and nobody chooses to die nobody wants to lose a loved one you can always say things like i wish i had the right words to say but i don't just know that i care or simply i'm sorry for your loss or i don't know how you feel but let me know how i can help in any way or you could say i'm a phone call away if you need anything or you could pray with them yeah these are things that will make them feel better 
at least they'll know that my people care about me and that even if I'm going through these things that I'm not alone. Yes. Now, another thing is I know a lot of people do not really want to talk about they do not when they know somebody that has lost someone they don't really want to bring it up they constantly shy away from bringing it up because they don't want to see this person sad but don't talking a person talking about their loss is actually healthy and you should encourage them to you should encourage them to speak out you should encourage them to let go of those negative emotions and again most times the more you the more you speak about something the more you relieved you are about it so there's no point shunning them down whenever they want to talk about how they feel you tell them or oh, is it every time you'll be rubbing your loss on our faces you just allow them to express themselves and my heart goes out to anybody that has ever lost someone very close to them that they love because we've seen situations where losing a loved one leads to severe heartbreak that leads to death so it's not a small thing and if you're still finding it very difficult to move on and if you want to reach out to us you can you can always send us a message on our instagram at emotions avenue on our twitter at emotions avenue we're there to listen to you if you want someone to talk to and if you've survived the loss of a loved one you are you're strong you're alive being strong is not a compliment know that being strong is don't let anybody make you feel like being strong sometimes it's okay to be weak you are brave and and you're going to be fine eventually yes you are going to be fine eventually time time should i say time heals because do we ever actually really heal from it i do not know that i honestly do not know that i can't tell you where that time heals because <laughs> well thank you for listening we'll see you in our, yeah, next, we'll see you in our next episode thank you all bye i did not want to tell my story because i did not want people to look at me and see who i lost i wanted i want them to see who i am i do not want them to see a deficiency i want them to look past who i lost to who I am despite who I lost. People have been going in and out of my life. People that at one point meant something big to me and they leave my life and I don't feel any single thing. It's like, oh, bye. Because it's giving me this perception that every single thing in life is fickle and one day everything will leave, even me. Nothing is meant to last forever. Nothing ever lasts forever. Nothing stays. I can see for sure like I'm better than before. I don't break down in tears so much again. So I believe that with time, the whole thing will heal. The whole thing will heal. Healing doesn't necessarily mean that you forget. That's not healing. You can still remember. But, but you won't break down in tears the way you used to anymore. So I hope this will go a long way to help a lot of other people listening to your podcast. Other people that are grieving because of a loss of a loved one. I guess it's an extension of grief that I have not really handled. And sometimes I think I need to see a therapist. 
because maybe I just need my mom. Sometimes I tell people that the only person that I would lose, I may actually cry, will be my mom, which is why I dread it a lot. But for any other person, no matter how close, it's not that I don't feel the pain. It's not that I don't, you know, feel that sadness that I, I lost somebody. But having to deal with my brother at a young age, looking in the eye month after month after month, sickening and then dying. It's just this, oh, everybody dies. It's just, it's just become my attitude now. So whenever I lose somebody, I'm like, oh, brother was the last person I could say I really cried for and the person died. My brother, I love that boy to death. So the what ifs, I don't like thinking of that. Uh, I would give anything to have him back. I would give anything to not, for him to not go through what he went through. An excerpt from Mental Awareness NG. And also remember that healing is not linear. There will be good days mixed in with the bad days. It does not invalidate your progress so far. It does not mean you are not doing the best you can. 